Hello, welcome to the Life Done Differently podcast with me, Neil Whitten, and my co-host, Ray Richards. Join us on our journey to find out what separates the doers from the thinkers. In this episode, we meet Hamish McKenzie, who lives and works on the highly unique houseboats he designs and builds. Think Mad Max more than the quaint canals of Amsterdam. He's an engineer by trade and an artist by nature. And the first thing you notice when you meet Hamish is his stripy grey beard and the words fate, hope and clarity tattooed across his face. He traded the tattoo for a raptor skull, as you do. Then, as soon as you start talking to Hamish, the tattoo and the stripes disappear. We only thought to ask him about it as we stepped off the boat. He's a frugal doer, part artist, part engineer, as I've said. When he has an idea, he gets stuck in and then he works out how to fill fill the spaces that remain. There might be gaps in the structure he's building or gaps in his knowledge. Either way, he works out how to fill them. He's a natural recycler, which explains why so many gaps need to be filled and how he's developed the knack of seeing beyond an object's current form. When we see a bus for sale, Hamish sees all the windows he needs for 200 quid. He sees money as fuel. When he's running low, he'll work for others to refill the tank but he has no interest in money unless he knows exactly what it's going to be used for. For your listening pleasure, I give you Hamish McKenzie trading my raptor skull for a face tattoo. Let's do it then. Thank you, Hamish. Um, it's, It's a real pleasure to be sitting in just such a wonderful space as a starting point. Me and Ray. um, Well, Ray, tell Hamish about your cottage. I can't, I feel embarrassed. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got a cottage that most people it's a shed it, it's not a shed it's a cottage and it's a cottage on stilts on an estuary up in Essex and me and some mates built it uh, built it we're rebuilding it um we bought it together and most people think it's unusual but then I come here <laughs> <laughs> and I realize it's not that unusual <laughs> okay they had a, there's a bunch of boats out of Benbridge on the Isle of Wight Oh, right. And the boats at Benbridge, one or two of them have been put up on stilts. Oh, really? So they are boats on stilts. Now, well, the problem with my, my cottage on stilts is that um, it floods and water comes into the yeah. cottage. So at, some point, <laughs> so at some point, we've got to float it. So um, we might be coming to you for some uh, help. Uh, I'll be man. So I'm going <laughs> to try and set the scene. We're, we're not going to be able to do this justice um, using... <laughs> voice but so we'll put some pictures up so people can get an idea of what what this looks like but um so we're sitting in one of hamish's houseboats it's a beautiful sunny day and what do you call this one hamish this is the one you live in isn't this it? is the verda and that was her original name she's well i'll give you a little bit of facts although go on yeah great uh yeah she's 1928 gospel portsmouth ferry yeah she's sort of iron or steel built and she came she, well, after her working life. She would she uh, became a houseboat in New Haven. Came over here about 1993. Uh-huh. Sunk for seven years. Sunk. Yeah, and oh, so I ended up picking her up from the other side of the river, or getting her up, getting hold of her. It took me eight months to refloat her. Ah. Uh, and we probably moved. We t- I think there was up to about four foot of mud inside her because the silt just go- the tide just go- going in there. Of her, she emptied this silt load inside her. But I loved the shape of her. I f- thought she was such a super, 
because we can't see it. You, she's got a counter stern, so I always like counter sterns on boats. A pretty feature, and on the, on the stern of them, yeah, it's overhanging. And uh, yeah, I just thought she'd make an excellent houseboat. So. And have you always been into boats, or is this? A I did f two two years voluntary service overseas, when I was in my late twenties, in Fiji. Fiji. Fiji's got three hundred something like three hundred islands. Yeah. So I spent a bit of time on boats. How did you? So that was as part of some some sort of national service, did you say? Voluntary service overseas, great charity. It's yeah. About a half government funded, I think. But uh, but uh, yeah, they just take people. Well, they they uh, they started off just taking kids out to do teaching stuff, but now they're much more. They aim to get professional people with experience they can share. So you get they they're organised jobs. Yeah. With the with the a, a local body. Who's prepared to fund them at uh, a local wage? Yeah. Okay. So we so they send a certain amount of volunteers out all over the place, and they did a few engineering places. I don't know whether they still do, but I got out there as a minor works engineer, Sarah and Amosi. Wow. And uh, spent a, and befriended a lad in fisheries who was there as well. So he got me interested in boats, and I spent a bit of time just mucking about on boats because I'd. A couple of islands in my vicinity. Yeah. In my area of uh, my work area, which is about the size of Sussex or something like that. Uh huh. And and uh, and when you say working on boats, that was what supporting a crew or something was it? No, it it, it was just you just going on boats to get to get to the villages to oh, do to uh, to work on various projects. Okay. So w if we'll come we'll come back to that in a minute, but just to finish off setting the scene, so. You're you're living on Ver Verda, yeah. And um, but but again, to try and do it justice, it's it's this incredible. So what you were talking about there is is the the hull of the boat, yeah. And but since then, you've built this incredible structure on top of it. Which try and try and describe that for us, and then we'll chip in to try and try and give it a bit more substance. Okay, right. The uh, I did, did before doing Verda. I'd just been to art college, uh -huh. uh, Northbrook. Give it his, give it his credit. Yeah, uh, lovely workshops, and uh, one of the things I, one of the ideas I had at Northbrook was m messing about with three um, D shapes, uh -huh. and uh, came up with the idea that uh, came up with the conclusion that yeah, you can look how you look at things, the particular viewpoint you look at them, you can you can discern different shapes, so. I started off with the idea of trying to get a perfect shape in a random, uh, in something that would look uh, could look random uh -huh. if you didn't look at it from the right viewpoint. I ended up moving on from that to coming up with the idea of a squircle. Okay. Which is, uh, I can show you a squircle, but as this is, what to call it? Podcast, possibly podcast, but basically it's a three-dimensional shape that. You look at it. From, you look at it from one viewpoint. 
you'll get a square. You look at it from another viewpoint, you'll get a circle. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I know the thing you mean, yeah, yeah. Now, I've been quite anarchic. I don't <coughs> trust the idea of copyright and having to take people to court to defend my copyright of an idea. I thought the best way to defend my idea of a copy to copyright that, that shape was to build it. Yeah. And then there's nobody could gain to say that I'd come up with the idea. Uh-huh. So it was my idea. Now, the back rooms of the room we're sitting in are a pair of squircles. Oh, is that that's amazing? Right, that's okay. Yeah. Ah. So, so if we look from a certain angle and you'll know exactly what the angle is, then we'll yeah. see a square, and another angle we're going to see a circle. So that's it. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Although, to show, although to get the true, true shapes, you actually need to be up in the air by 40 foot. So you can't actually see. You can see them with a uh, one of these buzzy a drones. Drones. You've done that. You've had a look of you. Actually, if you there's a photo on. Is there? There's a photo on the website. Okay, great. We'll try and find that and we'll look okay. it up. Um, oh, that's fantastic. So, so, but it's interesting to hear even just the way you answer the question because it it probably says quite a lot about the way you think and the way you see the world because you you immediately went into the kind of the creative aspect of the space you've made as opposed to like what it what it actually looks like or feels like you know i'd I'd describe it as um you've got all kind i mean it's got a huge amount of soul so so i'm looking at some windows at the moment but they're not they're not windows you know they're not the kind of thing you go by by from b&q they're bits of glass (laughs) with with what is it lead or steel that's um uh that's been kind of tapered around that space it's like a pair of um big fly eyes it does actually yeah or petals, or well, the, the squircles define the shape that was left over. I see, right? right? Okay, yeah. okay. So then it was a case of uh, working out how to build windows that would fit in the shape, which was a fairly curious sort. Yeah, of I can see curious three D shape. Uh-huh. And 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 uh, I think I I messed about with a few ideas and came up with the idea of these sort of teardrop shaped windows. So the these windows you you made they you didn't reclaim this. You didn't well, they're reclaimed material. Uh, there are a lot of them are reclaimed materials. Okay, an awful lot of I have always been strong on using second-hand materials. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the frames are made out of. But you made the frames. And, yeah, I made the frames. And, yeah. and would it be fair to say that this is sort of. Because I read a bit about you and I saw a little video of, of you and it, it seems to me that what you're... And you, you, you described it just before we started recording that you seem to just get started on stuff and then you work it out. Yeah, And absolutely. so you, 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 you had the idea of the squircles, you put two of them together, that left a space, so that was your next challenge, that was your next problem to solve. Yeah. And that's the way you... Do you live your life like that? Well, you get uh, the the other bits of the boat followed on from the the first design block was the the, the back roofs, and then I was left with a load of other spaces which I had to fill in. Each each time you had a space to fill in, then you had a certain amount of uh, where you've got basic measurements that you're going to going to use, and it's just a case of working out what what would work in those those spaces so t- tell us about something like the fire engine so you've got a fire engine at one end of one of these one of these boats and then there's there's uh, robin reliant on or half a robin reliant on one bit and then you've got a 
bit of a coach as well. So, and again, I'm I'm saying this partly just to try and um, set set the imagination going for people that might be listening to this. But from the outside looking at it, you've got all sorts of different um, materials and objects that have been used as part of the build. And then inside, it's this kind of beautiful space with all sorts of interesting shapes and materials. And, and it looks um, almost like something out of a, th- like a, th- a theme park or a film almost in, inside. And then beautiful um, wooden detailing. Um, and, and all of that is, that's all your, your work, right? Pretty much, yeah. But something like the um, let's talk about the, the fire engine, or, or or give give us one of those spaces that you were that, that you needed to fill in, and then and then how did that come about? Where does that start? Uh, I'll stick on Verda for the time being because okay. because the uh, the space left in a, it, it, once you'd done the back ruse, which took up a, the back third of the boat, then you had a big chunk in front of it. Yeah. So you just had a, a, a space which you want to fill in with something which is slightly more interesting than the stud work box. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I mean, you look around and it's what what occurred to me immediately was yeah, a bus would fit. <laughs> So <laughs> when you, you say as you a, do, yeah, <laughs> as you do, but yeah, no, I've been already by that stage. I've been working with secondhand materials a lot, yeah. Uh-huh. So I and I much prefer working with secondhand materials. I've got a story behind it already. Mm-hmm. They've had to me. There's an element of life within it, everything we use. So, so these buses have been it or bus or coach or whatever it was. It's been all over the place. It's got got design history of its own it's it's interesting before you start yeah it's also 200 quid's work for all my windows yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it worked out it on that sense. on that on both the aesthetics uh cr- criteria and uh, whatever other criteria you manage it would it sort of made sense it's aluminium sides aluminium doesn't it's very slow to rot yeah i've just re- you know it's just a it's sort of common sense to me. Yeah, but there there is a there is one small um, potential problem with a bus getting it on here in the first place. How do you get a bus on here? Oh, I see, this is always amazes me that everybody asks this question when to me is <laughs> bus. How do you make a bus? So you take it apart and put it back together again. Is yeah. That, yeah. Okay. It's piece of piece. Right. Okay. Relatively so you, speaking, you, you took it, took the bus apart, and then bought it on, and then rebuilt it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And where do you find? I got the whole of a bus in the back in the back of a four foot box trailer. Where did you find? Where did you find the bus? Brilliant. Where? Where? The same scrapyard. So, so it's just a, so you go you go the scrapyard. That's that's what's there. You've well, got I did. Your... If, if presumably a lot of the people who listen to this will know that will might know. Might be local, and yeah. Know that they're, they're, we had a beautiful cement works, which is still there. Oh, of course, the, all of those buses that are <laughs> and, now uh, there, yeah, there used to be tons of buses up there. And I did booked in because I was six months between deciding to put a bus on the side of the boat and actually doing it. So I went and checked it out when I thought the idea there's loads of buses there. Two weeks before, no, two, uh. Two weeks before I finally went out to look at it, they cleared the whole lot off. So I had to go to Adversane Scrapyard. Oh, where, did you? <laughs> where they also had the lamp po- these these posts above you. Yeah, I can see. Them. Yeah, these lamp these their lamp posts, stainless steel lamp posts. So they were lined by the side of the bus. So I had them. 
and they they're also the pillars which hold the roof up and they were also I've laid these across and now how I got the wings onto the boat you have a look in there you've got two w- wings uh-huh ah uh, yeah okay yeah. yeah they're they're off hawk hawks yeah okay yeah, so I managed to I towed them across the towpath with a half one ton winch I think it's but it's amazing what you can do with just a little bit of ingenuity. Yeah, and I'm guessing you quite like the challenge of a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it strikes me as our ancestors, I think we've got the same brain as our ancestors who built Stonehenge. I don't think we're any cleverer than no. those people. No, we just pretend to be. We've just got a lot more, we've got a lot more knowledge behind us, mm. but I don't think we're any brainier. No. And if they could do the, if they could build, shift those lumps of rock uh, over such great distances, they know how to move. You know, they could do it. Yeah. There's no reason why, you know, with one ton winch and the, uh, we could do it. And I managed to do all these heavy lifting jobs with either on my own or with one other person. <laughs> it's all, it's not that. It just takes time. Do you see? So, do you see um, any one of those next challenges as as exa- exactly that? Almost like doing a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, you're, it's very much a jigsaw. Yeah, puzzle, yeah. and you're you're sort of like and and this is pr- probably segueing a little bit. But when you're when you've got that next challenge that you're you're thinking about, and you're so let's take the bus. So, firstly, it's I've got a space. How much? Like what kind of thing could fill it, and what's the price? And then, as you said, and all the different considerations. Then you land on a bus, and it's like, where am I going to get a bus from? Okay, they've got the cement works up the road, and that they've got some buses, and if not, somewhere else. Then you find the bus, you've got to take it apart, got to get it in the back of something, and then you've got to get it here. And then once you've got it, get it here. You you, you get, then got to work out how to attach it and you know, consider weather conditions. So it's almost like an ongoing puzzle that um, there's many different considerations to it now i think for probably a lot of people that are listening to this life would get in the way of that kind of thing because they they you know they might they might be inspired to do something like that but then they would just be they'd be too confused by loads of other things that are going on in their lives that would mean they just couldn't get maybe they couldn't get the enjoyment that would be stressful to them that whole (laughs) that whole process that we've just talked about would be so stressful they maybe wouldn't even start it and I sense with you that it's the opposite of stressful. It's actually just, it's a puzzle. It's fun. It's a game. Is that is that fair? And if that's the case, then um, tell us about your life and how you've organized it in such a way that allows you to be as clear of in your mind to allow you to, to have that. I've been very lucky, I think, mainly on the finance. I mean, it, it's mainly down to finance, isn't it, really, I suppose. And in the end, it's freeing up my, freeing up my finances enough or making uh, making sure i got enough income to be able to pay me to work yeah uh so yeah i've i've i think in all to i think i'll probably lead a reasonably frugal lifestyle i've got very little desire for anything i can't make myself yeah so i don't have a car that's a big expense out the window i don't have don't have television i don't have much in the way of electrical goods i've spent very little on myself really uh-huh. I tell my holidays are. I prefer holidays where I don't spend money uh, in terms of uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I'd prefer sitting in a tent and my my requirements for money are fairly limited beyond what I spend on these boats. I've got the sufficient amount of money. I've always let space. I think one of the great things is I never really wanted kids. Yeah, okay. And I think because I didn't want kids, I've been able to be this selfish. Yeah, yeah. And I do think of it as being quite selfish. I've created a lifestyle where yeah, all my income generated predominantly off, in fact, almost exclusively, exclusively off rent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the we'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. But that's the other boats that oh, that, that yeah. now sort of adjoin this one, and you've got kind of bridges yep. and things that go between them. But we'll come back to that in a sec. Yeah. So, so that what you're saying is you almost you've swapped you've swapped one currency for another currency where lots of people would be working for money to buy the things they need. What you've done is you bought time. Yeah. And that time lets you gives you the headspace and the freedom to think about yeah. what we just talked about as it's a challenge, it's fun, it's not it doesn't it takes as long as it takes. Um if you if if, if it ends up not going your way, then that's not the end of the world because you've got time to course correct and work out how yeah. to do it differently. Yeah. Is that re- is that a reasonable Oh it's, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And and I think what we're particularly interested in is did you design that? So you when when you just sort of responded to that, it seemed just based on the way we w- we were talking, it f- it f- it felt to me like you were really clear of it. Um, but do you feel as though is that something that over time has just become more clear in your mind, and you and and now you're able to see it, and and actually you work hard to maintain that kind of lifestyle, or um, or did you work it out twenty years ago? You know, where where did that mindset come from? Well, it's a gradual thing. I mean, when I first moved down here, I just I was working on building sites and various things like that. Yeah. And uh, I'd work till I'd saved, saved up a grand or something like that. And I'd, you know, stop working on, stop taking in work and work my way through that grand, making a, uh, spending as, I mean, this is part of the, working with the second-hand materials came in. If I didn't have to spend money on materials, and I could make that grand last a bit longer. So yeah, yeah, and that was a driver behind the fact. If I considered that my my wage rate was just the food I needed to survive, I could make that grand but last quite a while. Okay, so you, so so at a reasonably young age, you were you were comfortable with this idea of earning some money and then almost then buying a bit of time back. Yeah, go and do some things for you, let it, and then almost work out how to how to make that money last for as long as you could yeah and sort of and then just and then just do that on a cycle for yeah. a period of time until you found a format that allowed you because obviously living is is a, is a is an important part of the equation you were talking before about kids and tv and all the rest of it but but you overlook living but i understand why because because you're living in a houseboat um so that that immediately is a very different kind of lifestyle to somebody that is mortgaged up to the hill um Big house, lots of space they don't need. Maybe so I, I think the way I just look at the way we the society goes at the moment, where the the amount of the proportion of our weekly wage which goes on find just living yeah. or the place you live, it strikes me as far too high. Mm. We went through this boom, probably generated in part by the wondrous Margaret Thatcher, mm. where we everybody bought their own home. And we, since then, we've seen property prices rocket. And, uh, yeah, I just 
think it's become intolerable, really. Yeah. Uh, how can how we have all these gadgets in life that makes the day to make life easier, and we seem to be working harder and harder and harder. <laughs> yeah, you're and right. It's, and and I, I wonder how much you see this, but y- you know, you you you're you're somebody who absolutely stands out for the way you're living your life. You know, like everything about the way you think is the kind of stuff we just described of you 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 you, you want to take these things on as a challenge you want to learn you want to work with your hands um you you're being creative in every aspect of your life seemingly and the tip the atypical um life is is almost the opposite of that H- how do you how do you look at those people like so do you, do you see a divide almost between the way you live and the way l- lots of other people live and h- how do you think about that hmm <laughs> Good question. Uh, I I think there's a certain amount of uh, similar attitude down here among my neighbours. I suppose that goes part part of the territory, isn't it? I think it's one of the nice things about living on a boat and trying to shake off those shackles of uh, expectation of and showiness of wealth. Yeah. Or uh, whatever, and yeah, I've got doesn't it's never appealed to me, but uh, sorry, I'm losing it. Now. <laughs> it, it seems to me that I, I mean, I, I hadn't appreciated you, you'd gone to art college, and 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 that is it because you've got a creative mind, and that, that's your starting point. I thought Northbrook was bloody great, I, I did. I did. <coughs> The teaching was quite, it was pretty, it was all right, it's fine. They, they gave us loads of trips out to see foreign cities. Uh, we got a six month student exchange in Sweden. No, he's not six weeks, student. Uh, but basically, the most valuable thing there was fantastic workshops and good technicians. And because you're a mature student, you get in those workshops as soon as they open. And all the rest of the 17-year-olds get in at 11 o'clock after chatting each other up <laughs> in the <laughs> refectory. And yeah, all us mature students, but I just loved it. The so qualification didn't mean anything lo- to me very much. But, but you loved it because you could make stuff? Yeah. And uh, it was to the people there with the knowledge, you could tell me how you could expand my knowledge. I was a carpenter before I went. And then, yeah, I'd done a lot of creative work before then. But uh, it's just exploring different materials and now i work with just i work with anything really so that that's that's uh, at the core of it all it, that that's what you're passionate about okay that, you, you're, that's what you're passionate about it's about making stuff yeah i suppose so yeah. and, and and that's your purpose that's what you know you you do it if it was you're not getting paid to do it but it's sort of the way you earned your money because you built other boats yeah, and the other boats give me enough income. And then you started renting out the other boats, yeah. and that gave you your income. So, yeah, I, I mean, I just, at the risk of thinking, I never thought of myself as an artist. I always thought of myself as a boat renovator. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> but, but if you look at so it, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. I know, <laughs> I mean, you, you are. Take it. Take, Hamish, take it from, from me. Isn't from art. It's from renting space out, but because it's. Um, it's done with a certain aesthetic. I think the people who do come and live here tend to 
appreciate that aesthetic or people who come and stay here appreciate that yeah. aesthetic. I mean, for anybody listening, just so, Google Hamish House. We'll, 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 so we'll put some yeah, links out we'll for put it. Some links yeah, out Hamish, take, you are an artist. Take it take it from, from, from <laughs> us. I, well, I, I know, to it, me, I mean, it's, it, oh, it's, it, it's a valid point, but I tend to think that it, I went, did a civil engineering degree when I started off. And to me, the engineering is just as important. As oh, it absolutely, are. it is. Yeah, because yeah. you couldn't. So I would hesitate to call myself an artist because I don't think I am in that. No, respect. and I un- and I think I understand why you're saying that because I think you, you, this idea of kind of left right side of the brain. You know, you've got your sort of yeah. science brain and your and your creative art brain, and often there's a big bias one way or the other. But every now and again, I think you pe- people have a really good balance. And I think what you're saying probably suggests that you've got you've got a really good balance between the two, because you get you get structure and you get the need for you know balancing something properly and the materials that you use. You said before about this the way you described aluminium, um, you've got a sensitivity to that. But at the same time, you understand form and creativity and um, beauty. You know, and th- those two things often those two things come separately. He's a smooth talker. I'll take that as well. <laughs> but so let, let's just do the um, let's do the backstory then. So where, where did you where did you start out in life? Do you, you weren't you weren't born down this way, were you? And and then and then give us the kind of story of uh, you you mentioned before bits of it, but um, how how you went from growing up to to here? Good sauce village with three pubs. Was it Charlwood near? Near Gatwick Airport, okay, Gatwick Airport yeah, yeah, yeah. My first twenty years of my life, uh-huh. and yeah, a good village boy, good and yeah, love loving the countryside from there. Okay, so so and and so you grew up in the countryside. So yeah. be, being at one with nature, or like nature being close on your doorstep, yeah. that was that was kind of comfortable for you. And who did you grow up with? Well, I was a good middle class family, and I sort of rebelled straight away and hung out with all the naughty boys all the uh, all the oiks from the village really <laughs> yeah, and, every uh, village has got its spent, oiks spent most of my life growing up in the half moon <laughs> right yeah <laughs> so that was the local pub yeah it was me that was my local okay and where i got all me it's also the employment exchange so i got all me when i started working i was getting all me all me work through the half moon which was great because there's a a preponderance of uh, it, it being old in Eng- old English village yeah. tradition, old English village. There's an awful lot of Tudor cottages and the like. Okay. So that's straight. It was see straight away working. I started me working lo- uh, me carpentry life really working in Tudor cottages. You won't find a straight line anywhere in them. So. Yeah. So that's that sort of. Angle and you're working with very old second-hand materials. Yeah, yeah. So that's sort of tied in with what I ended up doing, really. Yeah, and that's where you have to be creative. When there are no straight lines, you have to start straight it away. Helps. You have to start solving problems, shows, don't you? I mean, the way way building has developed over the years, we we mass produce eight before panels now, and we everything starts off as a rectangle or a square or it is. And all our buildings now, to my eye, are just appalling. Yeah, I agree with you on that. It's Nothing to be proud of, is so, it? So, what what is it that we don't like about um, perfection? If it is no, perfection, is probably I suppose the wrong because you don't see that level. When there is nowhere in nature, you're you're yeah. overwhelmed by rectangles. 
You might find occasional rectangle in nature, but you won't find you, it doesn't overwhelm you. So it's, we, not, it's not beautiful. I is mean, it? I do think of rather than thinking of the human world and the animal world, I just think we're we're the uh, the ones at the top of the animal world who've, who've had these wonderful things—a pair of hands you can manipulate with on top of a good sized brain and all that. We are I mean we're incredible animal, but we're still animals. Mm. But we tend to we've created this sort of mechanistic lifestyle. Mm. Which yeah, is okay. all about which is getting further and further removed from anything quite anything to do with nature. Mm. And I think it's just becoming more and more obvious it's not sustainable. You said earlier that you you, you rebelled so at, at that young age in the village and you're spending time down the pub with the oiks um, yeah. <laughs> and it's and again um, there's just this theme of sort of nature and your attitude towards um, that kind of rejection of where society is today but where it was moving towards when you were talking about it back then where does that start to play play into your story of, of being deliberate about um, what kind of life you wanted and, and, and how you wanted to almost reject the norm I think you grow. I, I know one of the earliest decisions I made was to chuck the telly out. Did you? I, t- do, I did that around eighteen, something like that. So just, to, and that was probably at a time when TVs were becoming. That would have been four channels, uh, well, maybe three. Yeah. But, and it, uh, but it was, but but it was like if you had a TV, everyone was talking about having a TV. It was the, yeah, the next and a big lot thing. Of the conversation you get down. Oh, it was working in factories and God knows what else. Yeah. Time and yeah, the fact. Conversation would be either on what was on football, or no, what was on telly last night, or who won the football. Neither of which particularly interested me. Yeah, I didn't give up telly because I thought it was crap. I talked, I gave up telly because I thought it was far too strong an influence. Ah, that's really interesting. And so you noticed that on your? Did you notice that on yourself or on other people? I noticed very. No, I was, I was almost afraid that. All the time you're looking at a telly and you're seeing these, I, mean, I think it's much more patent then than it is now because you've got much more reality TV nowadays yeah. of real people. <laughs> at the time, it was all about perfect. Uh, I mean, TV had a much greater cachet in those days. Oh, I think it did because I don't watch it now, but uh, it had a much greater cachet. So you'd see the best of everything you could possibly see. Mm. And so it was that avenue for seeing the bit. And you so you think, right, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna have a successful life, then I've got to be in this situation where I've got to be the absolute best at something. Mm. And I thought, oh well the risk there's a high risk strategy in that because I think to be the best at something you've got to <laughs> There's an awful lot of competition, there isn't is. there? <laughs> and a lot of compromises you've got to make to, yeah. to so get so to become so the best. It sends, so straight away, it sends you down an alleyway. Which is which is the specialisation, com- probably, as much as anything. And, which and is the conversation that's going on at the moment about social media, that, that people are comparing themselves to the Kardashians and they're never going to have that life because the kardashians don't even have that life <laughs> it's all false yeah but you so you spotted that really really early and and then made this conscious choice to chuck the tv out yeah and that was a moment where it was you were deciding no i'm not going to follow that and you're you're doing it for yourself first and foremost yeah 
Absolutely. And then and then we're, and then at that point, I'd imagine that the people around you found that interesting, and and you talk about that, and people would say, "Well, would you watch that thing?" And you're like, "No, I've checked out of that. I'm not. That's not what I do." Yeah, I can't remember it being a very very big thing at the time. You it, know, you just have if people know you haven't got a telly and you're not interested in it. So. You just don't get involved in those conversations. So it's not actually. So that's so that so maybe that in itself is interesting for somebody who would consider, like, who's thought about it and hasn't done it because they they're concerned that what impact that would have in the connections with other people. Actually, to you, it was people just get on with it. They're not. They're not. They're not actually that that bothered. It's more about what impact it has on your life than than anyone else's. Yeah. 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 And then from that moment of 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 getting rid of the TV. How did, did do you, could you, could you looking back see that that was a sort of catalyst of, of more change, of kind of getting further away from the, the sort of atypical life? I think it probably does. I mean, I've, I've followed that decision up. I then went off and did me three years overseas. Yeah. Where there was no televisions to watch anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and I came back and I just continued doing the same things. So I suppose I've moved completely up the sphere, so it was very easy. So there was no ha- there was no habit. Doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no habit to break. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just think you know you came back. You still you. you you want to fill your time up usefully, and uh, by that time I'd move away from the old village. So you got out the thing about having a local, so I didn't turn into a lifelong hell. I didn't turn into a, keep my drinking habits up from the early years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I still kept them up. Yeah, <laughs> but, but what you did is you absolutely changed your environment, um, well, yeah. and then you went and you you know di- completely different culture, completely different t- part of the world, and then and then that that's as you said before, what led you to to boats and being yeah. Around so boats. hang on. So you so you came back from VSO. Yeah. You came back and you moved where? Well, I came back because my father was on his last legs. So right, okay. okay. That was really. I was nearly about to stay over, but it just didn't. I think the the catalyst to bring me home, bring me back to Blighty was was my dad's passing. I suppose, and then uh, yeah, I was still vaguely calling myself a civil engineer at the time but I don't think the aptitude was particularly great and I couldn't get a job yeah un- un- uncivil engineer <laughs> yeah well, you probably understand the bending moment <laughs> equation because I never could <laughs> so did, did you did you go on a did you go on a journey at that point to go and get a m- kind of more traditional job as a, as a civil did you did you have traditional jobs uh yeah I, do, I mean I came when I well I tried to, I've got a couple of interviews for engineering jobs, but I just could see my skill level wasn't correct. Mm. I'd been doing plenty of carpentry when I was in Fiji. Yeah. And I'd built, yeah, one of the most significant ones was visiting a mate when he was in New Caledonia, and he got me to build him a, ca- a kit-built catamaran fishing boat. Oh, yeah. Which is... Uh, which is quite a, a good project to get my teeth into. Probably took eight weeks, ten weeks to to build this thing mm. uh, and that was great fun okay and uh but that was probably one of the main inspirations for me having boat boats into my system really sure <coughs> and 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 then by and then it sounds like maybe that moment was um understanding that there was another path which is more kind of finding your passion finding the things that you love doing and an environment where you can do that and it feels right which which maybe sort of project by project and it, and it and it's um but it's but but it to 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 kind of talk about this it sounds like that's that's again 
unconventional in as much as it's it's not turning up at the same thing every day with the same group of people on uh, a pay packet. Sorry, my brain went completely blank. Did it? <laughs> 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 you were saying about the you did you did the catamaran um, job for your for your for your mate, and it was um, eight weeks or so. Yeah. And my question was really: is was that another moment of sort of considering your future and um, and thinking about just a different way of working, a different? No. Way of well, what happened was that I just felt I came back. I I uh, was living in Crawley at the time. We got thrown out of our house because it came up for development. Yeah. Uh, I, I was sleeping on friends' couches for a few weeks, sitting in a pub chatting to somebody, and I also remembered boats. And uh, I also remember I'd stayed in Brighton a year before Yeah. in a bed sit and walked westwards and found these this lot. Okay. And I connected the two and thought, oh, let's, I'll go and have a look. Three weeks later, I lived here. Did you that yeah. quickly? And there was a boat. You bought a boat and a mooring. Yeah. Okay. Was what, there? Was what, there? Sorry. Just was there a community here at that point? Yeah. No. The boats have been here ever since the end of the world. War. I think they they cleared all the boats off for the Second World War because mm-hmm. they were seen as a bombing target. At the end of the Second World War, I don't know exactly when, but there were, a lot of the military boats came were decommissioned. Yeah. Uh, so they went up for auction by and large, and a lot of them ended up here. And that's they they would see bit of the current houseboat community. Ah, okay. So so when you came here, and I, we didn't say that before, when you said you headed westward, that's to Shoreham from from Brighton. So we said we're in yeah, Shoreham. Yeah, um, I was living in the bed sit there in Waterloo Street. And yeah, and yeah, and you had a look down here, and there was a there was the makings of a community. Of no, of, it's a fully established community. Oh, it was a fully established yeah. community. Wow. Okay. Oh, and f- and how how did that come about, especially that quickly, for you to? By whatever it was that you needed to do and to make the decision to at do the it. time that <coughs> sorry that's right <coughs> at the time they were council council owned moorings were they so and the council had, and it was about the, the time I moved on they were just changing over from council owned moorings to 999 year leasehold moorings to which we had a the boat the uh, boat owners had performed a um, a company, yeah, which bought the freehold for the whole riverbank. Ho- okay, and uh, that company then handed out these leaseholds. Yeah, which was a situation that lasted for a few years, and then we finally got our le- uh, free le- our freeholds and wound the company up. And uh, when you when you came down here, so the f- the first instance was just discovering it. Is that fair? So you just you just you know took a walk out here and saw it. Yeah, I thought it was an idea. I did think as a carpenter, you know, I was a, the f- my first boat was an old motor torpedo boat, World War Two jobby. Yeah, and it was wooden. I was a carpenter. Yeah, and yeah, it's it was sort of. Didn't it's <laughs> logical place? But you, but you didn't come. You, you didn't come here with the intention of looking for where the houseboats were, and with a, in in your mind's eye at that point, you weren't thinking, oh, "I'm going to go and find a boat to live on." Well, as I say, it could transpire from a conversation I was having with the mate in the pub, and I found myself homeless. And that, and he lived down this way, did he? No, he didn't. No, I just went. So he I just, just put. I put my boat built, boat my enjoyment of boats in the yeah, yeah. me uh, VSO days uh, against the fact I'd seen these houseboats down here and it, and you the needed two somewhere to live. Yeah, it was a lightning, no, one of those 
light bulb moments mm. yeah, in yeah. the pub. And uh, so, yeah, and literally I drove down here the next day and and uh, started putting offers in pretty quickly. And it was a very short period because there was no documentation involved virtually. Really? and Because and, and, we were changing over from freehold to leasehold, all they had to do is the, uh, change the name before the... The free old the, the uh, lease old Scott issued. Yeah, I'm with you, and that it was just a case of knocking on doors and say, and saying to people. No, no, it's always boat. In those days, there was always four or five. But uh, this is this was before boats had become popular. There, yeah, we were very look. The community was very much looked on as gypsies. Really, water gypsies. I think they called. So us. that would have put a lot of people off, wouldn't it? Absolutely, but it didn't yeah. put you off because. No. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, you're talking, it's still high. It's high. I mean, property prices have mushroomed, whatever you're in, but the price of a price of these more the moorings then meant that, yeah, with a small loan, I could pick up a mooring. Yeah. As I'll say, sadly, nowadays, there's no way you get off the houseboat down here for a small mooring. No. Try the Medway. Yeah, right. <laughs> so so you got you got your mooring really quickly. And yeah. then um, you were telling us earlier that there was the um, the sunken boat from New Haven that you brought back up, and that and that was the yeah, that was much later. That was much later. So yeah. there was already something here yeah. on the mooring, and then you just went to work at that point, did you? You started building. Yeah, I, I, <coughs> I worked on the I worked on my own. Well, I was when I first started up, I was commuting back up to my old village for work. Yeah. I gradually got more and more work off the boats themselves. So I was, well, at one time, I think I worked on over half the boats here. That's what I was wondering. So actually, yeah. what happened is you became fully integrated into this community. Yeah, and in I was every just, respect. And so this yeah. is like a, this is like your old, your new village in a way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you didn't need the pub to go and get jobs. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So you got so you gradually started working on the boats around you and helping everybody else out. It being part of the community and then building building up your your first boat and then that led to then the the next space and and, and what what i'm wondering about is at what point did you start thinking about other boats and then renting those out and then having having your own little environment here well i was unfortunate because the boats were so cheap at the time i did i managed to buy uh, pay off my first loan within two years uh, on the back of a ba- another bank loan, and I bought another mooring, and uh, did quite did reasonably well out of that. In that, I put a, put a new hull on it, and um, turned the whole thing round within two years or something like that. And yeah. uh, I'd made and bought and over the years, when the moorings are cheap, I bought and sold several moorings. And did several boats, or rescued several boats, yeah, and renovated. Well, renovated several boats. So it was building up skill, building up my skill level all the time. So, in another way to describe you, if it wasn't for the fact that these things floated, you'd be a property developer, I guess. Well, I suppose I'm a property developer yeah. in, that, in that respect. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the difference is that you're building unique homes <laughs> rather than Barrett yeah. homes, and well, like I, yeah, I mean, by virtue of the fact that I've got this lifestyle where I don't don't need a lot of money, mm. 
then uh, yeah, I can I can in, uh, I can use all these secondhand materials because it's not cheaper using secondhand materials. No, and it takes longer as well. It takes longer. Mm. Yeah. So you have to look at you know your work. Might you can't measure your work in the same way at all. Mm. I'm trying. I'm trying to work out because there's so many similarities to it with a with a property developer. But at the other, the other hand, you're the complete and utter opposite because it's not money that's motivating you. It's it seems to be keeping your. I want to say costs, but it's it's not that. It's keeping your your need for. your commitments down to as smaller level as possible. What, financial commitments? Yeah, your financial yeah. commitments, yeah, down to as small a level as possible. Yeah, I'm a tight git. <laughs> yeah, well, that's one way of putting it, yeah. <laughs> An environmentalist would be another way of putting it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, all right. <laughs> but, it, but it, it, you know, and that's, that's a very different way of looking at it, isn't it? Because, mm. you know, as we were talking about earlier, people do go out and they try and earn as much money as possible to make themselves as financially secure as possible. But as you say, they've got so, you know, I, you know and I'm I'm... I'm somewhere in between i would say but mm. in certain parts of my life i've definitely been you know electronic gadgets holidays mm. you know earn the money um and then you know and you just then you pay for nannies and you pay for this and that because you haven't got any time whereas you look at it in a completely different way yeah i suppose so that and you but you're a tight git <laughs> those That'd two things combined <laughs> yeah but you're not lazy no I work a full I mean I must be I'm, all right, I'm passionate about these boats but I'm also passionate about my leisure time and I work a 40 hour week yeah but I work a 40 hour week in, week in week out yeah and do you do that would you do that if you didn't need the m money I think it's a, that is funny conditioning, isn't it? I grew. I I started off doing a forty-hour-a-week when I was seventeen and working in factories and God knows what else. I continued that when I was at university because I found university quite a piece of piss if you did a forty-hour-a-week. Yeah, and yeah, okay, uh, yeah. then I continued that off. Then when I did a forty-hour-a-week when I was, I was yeah, I'm very routine in my way. Because it, it's it's interesting hearing you, hearing you say that because when when we spoke on the phone to try and sort the time out, you were saying um, I normally finish work about half five, and it triggered something because I was thinking I wonder what sort of work that is because I because my understanding of your life was more that you don't have to work you know you you work on whatever is the next thing for you to do but it's, it seems more from outside looking in that it's more just creative endeavor but it sounds from what you're saying like you're you do see that time as as work time almost just because we've been Absolutely. institutionalized to think like that yeah no you need the discipline yeah, yeah. and that's what it is it's a recognition and it's not, of the discipline i mean the creative part is a small part of it yeah yeah it's very small relatively speaking that's a fun bit but uh, i mean the bulk of the work on these boats is just keeping the buggers floating yeah yeah so yeah, that's yeah. what's that that's that's ceiling that's yeah it's up to your knees in shit in the villages <laughs> yeah yeah okay yeah it's the glamorous bit yeah and th and then yeah. so t so tell us about about so you you were you were sort of buying and selling moorings as they came up um and there were other boats knocking about when when did you have the idea of 
um because again i'm tr- I'm, tr- I'm just thinking about people listening to this and and how they they won't necessarily understand the sort of structure that you have here so i'm going to just have a, another go at, at trying to describe it but as you walk along there's various different sort of bridges into your your little ecosystem here and we talked earlier about verda which is the main boat that you live on it's verda isn't it yeah yeah but then you've got what is it about four or five other boats that have got completely different personalities and styles there's one that looks like a fish and there's there's a, there's other ones and there's bridges that go between them and those other boats you 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 airbnb those so there's people that come and stay and you and use those spaces that's right i've got i've just got the one air, i've just got one holiday let yeah i've got one full-time let okay and that, that gives me the, and that's so and that's a nice balance because the last thing I want to do is see this place turn into a no, desti- destination for or you know for second homes or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. So you've got so you've got the one Airbnb and that's people that just come for weekends or just a couple of nights yeah, or whatever. Yeah, and that's I be honest, it's, it's what makes my life viable. Is it? Yeah, right. Yeah. And the other one you you let out and that's more of a traditional like there's just and that's a traditional yeah. let and yeah, yeah. yeah I've always had a. Uh, always let that as um, individuals really got it uh, but when you look at it when you look at your your little environment there with those those three different um, buildings or structures it it, it looks like um, I mean you've even got the, the would you say would you call it a bomb but you've got you've got the sort of there's some signs out that, that and it sort of it looks like you're saying this is like a this is a different little world here this is an Oh. <laughs> it is a different world. It's, uh, well, it's in my warped imagination. Yeah. That's what it is. It's a reflection of your imagination. But at what what point did you did you did you decide that it goes beyond your boat and it's and it's about having these other spaces and then connecting them up? Where did where did that idea come? Oh, from? that was uh, down to luck again. When was I was it? doing when I was doing, I, uh, between the time I actually got hold of the verder, as I say, she was sunk in wreck eight months to do her up. Mm. Uh, when I brought her back here, I actually owned another mooring at the western end of the riverbank. And the the owner of the mooring we're sitting on at the moment, a guy called Jerry Cobbin, yeah. who I was mortally afraid of because he was huge. <laughs> and uh, I plucked up the courage and I went down and spoke uh, because he, he wasn't living on the boat. He wasn't living on the boat that was here at the time. And I plucked up the courage and went and spoke to him, made him an offer. Yeah. So that's the only bit of shopping I've ever done at Tesco. <laughs> he, he was shelf stacking at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so, so, so now this is this is like this is absolutely life for you now, isn't it? I could, this, it sounds like this is. Look, th- this is for you way better than any other kind of life that you could imagine. That's 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 my read of of the way you're talking about your environment and how comfortable you feel here and stuff. Well, I've, I've sort of built myself, built myself, my me own trap. Really, I would like to go and do other things. Would but, you? Yeah. What would but you like see, to do? Oh, trees! I fancy trees. Right. I we haven't got any trees around here. Fancy, I fancy a bit of woodland somewhere I can right, okay. invest a bit of effort into. But yeah, I don't know. It's just pipe dreams, isn't it? But yeah, and there is an element I've been doing all this work for myself for donkey's years. Mm. Uh, there I is a sort sort of feeling I won't mind going doing work on other people's projects. 
So can I just ask you a question about your 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 what was the second what was the first time you bought another boat to do something with which which one was it Uh well the first boat was Venture okay. which is next door at the moment Okay and did you did you just decide to start doing that up and make something of it and then rent it out or do you did you think right okay if I, I if I do I, another one I can rent it out Uh no, it didn't work out quite like that. I lived on venture for the first fifteen years, and uh, of my tenancy on the riverbank, and then uh, after I come and uh, during that time I sent myself off to art college, or Northbrook, and at the end of that, having promised myself I'd never do another boat because I'd already done quite a few by then, mm. uh, my first activity on leaving college was getting older the, the hull of the verda yeah and then he had things i think i always had the intention of living on verda and and and, and there and therefore that gave the opportunity to rent out the one that you were on yeah so it's really so, well uh, i mean prior to that i'd always had uh i'd always rented rooms on the, the what on venture anyway yeah, okay. Uh, so it was sort of a in. gradual sort of... So, um, yeah, it, it was very much an organic... Yeah, yeah, organic yeah you got growth. it. Yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah, okay. And, and the, we didn't quite pick up on this, but the uh, you went to Northbrook doing your... Uh, was it, would you call it... 3D design. 3D design. Yeah. But you did that as a mature student. Yeah. What what, what was the catalyst? What, what encouraged you to go do that? Ooh, I've got to remember now. Access to the workshop by the sounds of it. <laughs> But you'd been you'd been working on boats. You were living here at that time. Yeah, you were, you must no, have been I quite handy. I think I've done various evening. I've done a ceramics evening course and things like that. And I did enjoy the uh, did enjoy the atmosphere of being in that sort of environment. And yeah, I was probably a bit a bit stuck at the time. Would yeah. you describe yourself as a lifelong learner? I suppose be. I've never thought of it like that. But yeah, I can't see why not. Because <laughs> cause because fr from the things that we talked about earlier, you know, you you talked about the new challenges and and you know we just before we record we were recording, you were talking about the land uh, outside and how you're just starting to think about planting, um and for more sustainability, and uh, but you said I've ne I've never done that before, and it's and again it's this pr process of of just learning of of kind of getting on with it and and enjoying enjoying that, and I just wonder how you thought about that because again, th the mindset of lots of people would be. I need to go pay a guard. I like. I need someone to come do this for me, rather than I'm going to enjoy the experience of going from nothing to something. I've had, well, the garden came apart. It was opportunity, really. Mm. We had this. We had this wall built, and uh, it's suddenly realised we could get a decent bit of flat space out of it. Yeah, and the flat space just leads to the idea of years yeah, potential for a quite respectable bit of gardening to go on and yeah I, there is this aspect i've been doing boats for so long and uh, yeah the, there is a romantic bit of actually putting flashy little structures on top of them but they are a shed load of work uh yeah i can imagine and yeah i, d I would like to do something else besides boats in my life mm. yeah so it's it's you, it seems to me you don't plan very much you just see an opportunity and because you're tight 
because you don't want to pay somebody else to do it. I'll do it myself. And you are pretty confident in your own abilities to work it out. Yeah. You just get stuck in. Yeah. And that's a, that's a very different life. Now, I'm just thinking about myself mm. here. Because I, I try and be like you. And I'm trying more and more because I know when I do it, I get huge satisfaction from doing it myself. But I can come up with 101 reasons why I'm not going to be able to do it. And then I sort of think, oh, there'll definitely be somebody out there I can pay to do this. And they'll do it in they'll do a it fraction in, of the time. They'll do it in the fraction of the time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then... You know, but I know when I do it, I enjoy doing it, and I it's. Yeah. It, it's I wish I could say the same about plumbing. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody got. I guess every, guess every engineer's got their the thing that they don't like doing. Yeah. What, so, what would you what would you say to that, Hamish? And so for 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 what Ray just described, and I think that's that's typical of a lot of people that that think like that. What 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 would you say to them around what you've learned about this way of living, this way of thinking about things? I think b b having done virtually all my own building work, I've taught myself electrics, I taught myself plumbing, hate both of them. <laughs> but I started off as a carpenter, taught myself welding, all these things. But yeah, no, I mean, Northbrook helped with that, helped with that because it did, did give me, uh, they were good at showing you lots of different techniques in lots of different, different uh, mediums. And, after a while, he's, he, the, the skills are transferable, and you've, you've start seeing similarities in all these things. I suppose, especially yourself, Ray, talking about your engineering background, you start seeing the parallels between plumbing and electric because they're the same. It's just different elements you're shifting about, but uh, there are parallels, and I think that goes for just about. If you can work with one thing, you can work with another. Just but just slightly different so tools. Once, you, once and you've got you the have. fundamentals, the basics, yeah, you, it's just a case of finding the answer to that little problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we we in the world these days, we don't we don't think like that. That no. isn't our automatic mindset. Our automatic mindset is: I wonder if somebody knows a decent you know yeah a decent plumber a decent electrician a decent bricklayer a decent plasterer yeah because we or somebody knows how to do art welding or somebody knows how to do mig welding or mm. whatever it is instead of going right okay i wonder how you do this it can't be that difficult let's yeah. go and find out and and i've observed because i've had a few volunteers i've several i've had people working with me and my idea of teaching them how to do things is just well, it's a bit of wood. You've got to get that in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't realise the skills I've got. Yeah. It's, only, it's yeah. Only, only when I have other people working for me I realise that what I think is obvious isn't obvious to other people. It's a, it's a mindset. It is a mindset. Isn't it? Yeah. Do, you ever, do you ever ask them to go and get a bubble for a spirit level? <laughs> oh, I'm not. I was, my. my <laughs> I'm not vindictive. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my metalwork teacher used yeah. to do. That's it, yeah. <laughs> what would you, what, what, like, how would you, if it, if you, because you've stumbled on something here that works really well for you and the people around you, and I get why, and I, and I, and I absolutely, I really agree with you around, we've lost a lot of something really important in, in general society, especially in our immediate vicinity here just around people even being able to think like this, have that freedom of thought, the kind of stuff we're talking about now. And um, like we said to you before, the point of us 
having these conversations is to try and pass on some of this inspiration to people just we hope that some people will listen to this and go and start to question things and start to go well why yeah why can't i have a go at that plumbing or why can't i do that or why can't i think about a different way to to live and we're hoping to pass some of that on but if this was down to you what what things would you change in any part of society it could be education it could be anything in order to pass on a bit more of this this attitude back into society I think my true passion is cars. Is it? Go on. I abhor cars. I abhor the way we use them. Mm. I think they've taken... We we use these boxes, which... I mean, I just, I'm going to bore the shit out of you now with a few statistics. No, go on. Please go, yeah. Oh, OK. 62% of car journeys in this country at the moment are single occupancy. Mm. Right? We have congested roads. Hmm. Well, that's interesting fact, isn't it? Yeah. 62%. Now, these machines, on average, weigh 1.2 tonnes. And I'm guessing that the average payload for those particular machines is about 100 kilograms. Yeah. Right, so you're using a machine which weighs 12 times as much as the payload you're carrying in it. And what are we doing? We're absolutely... We've destroyed our streets. Mm. Everywhere you go, you've got to watch out for these bloody beasts mm. wandering about at breakneck speeds. I go up to the, we got the A259 Coast Road at the moment. It took me about 20 seconds to, no, it's about, I tried to cross it on a Sunday. I couldn't even bloody get across it. I was trying to wave cars down to let me through, and mm. they wouldn't let me through. Mm. Yeah. I don't actually hate cars in the respect that I think I grew up with them and they've had me, me fair share of, of uh, bloody enjoyment, thrills and it. spills. But I just think they've become so ubiquitous, mm. and they are so much of our national identity. No, global identity is what we do with these machines, mm. and they are—they're just machines, and people treat their status symbols. I mean, their status symbols of what? Mm. I mean, they all look the same to me, but then again, I don't love the things. And uh, I suppose that's my biggest bugbear is what I can try and do as an individual who doesn't like the things very much. And you just see bicycles that are so wonderful, 80% efficient at bicycles. Mm, mm. The energy you put in, which is not bloody carbon-based in the first place, mm. well, maybe a little bit of bit of uh, whatever carbon footprint is of, of making the, of bike, the yeah. food you eat. But, but yeah... It's that car thing, which is the thing which I think, to me, you, you go on to other things from that. But I, it, uh, that, I, I understand where you're coming from with that. No, it's my it's a very, it's a very easy way to understand the different mindset. The, 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 the fact that most people would jump in their car to go down to the shops yeah. uh, on their own and, and not even people, question it. Most people would, in defence of the car, say... I know what you're saying and it's completely logical and you're right, but it gives me freedom. And that's that's what they would say. Yeah, well, I think the, the, there's that idea of free. I mean, you've got this little living room on wheels, haven't you? Mm. And you can put plug in, your, you've got your stereo there and the surround the sound system and boogie away and you just sit there and, and ideally you bomb up the motorways at 70 mile an hour or whatever it is you do and it's all tunky-dory. And, yeah, it's given us this phenomenal freedom. True. 
Well, it's also completely wrecked our, ser- our bus services. It's completely yeah. wrecked our street culture because you can't go anywhere without fear. Of it. I'm, I'm just bloody... My hair's... Well, it, but, it, it, but it is changing, actually. <laughs> that is... I mean, I, I certainly... I've got a friend, Mark, who's campaigning for... Um, the tunnel near Stonehenge mm. not to be built, you know. And the point I, I, I made when I donated to his crowdfunding page, it's on there, everybody, if you want to have a look. It, it, you know, it, it's it's that why are we building a new road when it seems to me everybody is saying that we won't have cars in the future like we're going to have, like we have cars now because we will be sharing because people will start to work it out and you won't own cars, you'll just get 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 it on your app and it will come round to your front door you know pick you up and take you to to Cornwall um Actually, so- I don't going off off piece of it I don't bloody get on the one I really like he's uh we got these politics I, I love Brexit it's such a laugh isn't it? <laughs> 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 I've never seen politicians fall apart quite so yeah. <laughs> yeah. but yeah basically we we started I don't know, I, there, there seems to be no appetite for any real change coming out of Westminster at all. No. And uh, you th- and we've got this two-party voting system where you can either vote for the Blues or you can vote for the Reds. Uh, the Greens don't come into it. Mm. And basically, I think my politics if, as a born-again anarchist have pretty well green, really. Mm. Although I get a bit lost with the party itself. But what I'm trying to get at is we, we've got this two-party system, really, which is red and red and red and blue, red and blue. Yeah, and green doesn't come into it. No. Now I think green. Now, personally, thinking, you know, I know I'm. It's not shared by many, or not a pop, great part of the population. Is that the uh, the green is the is the bit that's missing, really. Mm. And it, with the with the voting system we got, irrespective of Brexit. The Greens are not going to get anywhere. Mm. And I think that's, you know, just a deficiency in our whole system, in not just our national system, but pretty much our global system. Mm. Is mm. We're, we're not, as a global entity, we're not, our leaders are, are not, their, their core, their core driving things are not uh, driven by green politics, they're driven by the immediacy of the da- of the challenges facing them, mm. and I think it's a case of getting green poly- uh, getting green out there is a necessary part. And it you need a green red party, you need a green blue party, and you need a you need a red green party and mm. a blue green party. Mm. And uh, the way we have voting systems at the moment. I know that's what I quite like about Brexit. Is it just shows that I think the blue party to me is about wealth creation. The red party is about social issues, and the green party is about the environment. Mm. And I, if you take the three, those as three core, uh, three parts of a triad of equal importance. Mm. Then you might get somewhere. Yeah. All the time you have this basis of either driven by social policy yeah. Yeah. or by the uh, wealth creation. Yeah. Then without the uh, without reference to the to the environment, which is what our 
political system is designed to promote, yeah, we won't get any change. Yeah, I, I think that's a really, really good way to sum up um, that that sort of that perspective. That well, and I think it, I did quite well, well then. you know, you did, you did great, <laughs> you did, re- you did re- because because as, as you were saying it, what I was thinking is that we are, you know, for the lo- for as long as I can remember, and probably going back to just after the Second World War, it's blue and red. You know, it's always been blue and red. Green doesn't feature. Well, yeah, but the and Liberals are around for a, quite a you know strong party for a long time, and they sort of disappeared. So yeah, yeah. Um, it, it can. All I'm saying is it, it can change, but it's very hard. Well, Brexit might provide the opportunity. But it what? Might. We're, but, but what? We, but what we're saying is there is this ingredient. If you if you use the analogy that Hamish just just drew there, where you've got blue, which is about kind of wealth creation and growth and development or whatever, and read about social and integration and communities and and then the green which is about the way we live and the way we interact with the planet and nature and sustainability that in that ingredient is absolutely been missing for a long time um so it means that the other two are out are, are out of balance but it seems to be that everybody seems to think i think what you're saying is it's competitive and it doesn't need to be competitive no i don't think you <laughs> At the risk of sounding like a total whippy, I think we need to work together a little bit. No, well, yeah, no, but, <laughs> that's what, but that's what comes through. This is what I love about your personal story and how well it reflects what you just described. Because you're not at, at no point in this conversation have you sort of said, "I don't have a need for money. I don't have a need to consider how I um, how I can look after myself." You just said, "I want to. I'm going to consider that, but I'm going to consider these other areas at, with equal importance." So you've done it personally in your own life. And it works for you. And by you doing that, I think what you see is there is this huge gap around something that you you care about a lot. And everything you just said about the cars and how you feel about that is a good demonstration of the way you think about that as being a big problem in our society. And for a lot of us, it's easy to ignore that because we're so our thinking is so skewed towards red and blue. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a really good reflection of kind of, you know, li- living by th- practicing what you preach, you know, li- living by your own story and what you've recognized from it and then trying to work out a way where you give that to everybody else. Can I ask a, qu- a question going back to something you said very early? What is it that y- you'd love to be able to do but can't do? Plumbing you mentioned. What's the one thing that you've had to buy, either in terms of the, and that you're really irritated you had to buy it? Oh, the cement works. What? <laughs> the cement works. You had to. Bu- you didn't buy the cement works. Oh though. no! I'm no, sorry. No, I getting misunderstood some... the question. No, no, no. So, so what would I buy if I had the money? No, 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 <laughs> no. Not that. Do, well, what's the one thing? You, <laughs> no. Do you have to buy? Because I'm looking at. I'm looking at now at this. I, it's a, it's a, I'm assuming it's a wood-burning s- stove of some description. Here, what, what, what do you what do you buy that you th- you're irritated that you have to buy? A bike? Oh well, no, it, it, it does occur to me. So there's nef- nothing. So uh, there's some things I suddenly think, oh, it'd be nice to have one of those. But it's a bit too much. I can't think of anything at the moment. Uh, it will come to so me. It can't, well, it can't be that obvious then. So no, you're, d- you're doing pretty well. No, it's yeah, no. okay. And is I this, mean, is this, would you, is this life for everyone? Do you, would you really encourage, would you say to people listening to this, 
I mean, seriously one of the things that upsets me is I don't think he's, it's so patently not available to everyone. Mm, yeah. In fact, it's not. If I was the same, if I was thirty now, it wouldn't have been available to me. No, you're right. It was affordable when I was thirty. Mm. But it's if you were thirty, now. if you were thirty now, my guess is you would probably go and find somewhere where it was available. I can't imagine I'd stay in England. No, that's yeah. what I, I think yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, it'd be, when I was thirty, there were still derelict properties available yeah. in the south of England. Yeah, it's nothing now. No, no. And we were, and we're building it at such a phenomenal rate. We're pretty jamming all these people. I mean. Immigration is such a weird, weird thing. We got this. Oh, this is what I can't understand about this wealth creation. We are. I think Britain is fantastic at wealth creation. We're all skint, but we we seem to do this wonderful thing about <laughs> wealth creation. We got bloody tons of money, even though we're skint. Mm. I don't understand it, but it has given this thing where you've got this driving force of property prices, which makes, which seems to have this hyperinflation mm. and inequality is just mushroomed in the intervening 30 years since I moved down here which makes it impossible I've got no easy answers for how you get out of this situation at the moment I don't think it's going out and getting these massive building firms to build all the houses in one two acre site no. which all look exactly the same it's not about there's nothing about quality of life in my way we're living at the moment. Mm. It's just about yeah. So so it's one of the one of the ways out of it is possibly to focus a little bit more on quality of our own lives rather than working harder. Working harder to, to climb buy the greasy buy holiday, holidays and air flights. It's not not sustainable. But if I can just give a mention for mm. anybody out there who cares to follow it. If, check the name out, Greta Thunberg, G-R-E-T-A-T-H-U-N-B-E-R-G. She's wonderful. And she's got the most cogent voice of any world leader I've ever heard. Okay, perfect. Greta Thunberg. Greta Thunberg. Okay. And uh, she'll explain to you in graphic detail why we need to change oh lovely okay well that that maybe is the next conversation for us appreciate you passing that on okay i've got to go i've got a yoga class at seven o'clock well it's that's the perfect time to finish it off um thank you thank you so much for taking the time it's been great okay yeah That's it, folks. For show notes, head over to the website at www.lifedonedifferent.ly where you'll find links, a quick summary, and you can also explore other conversations. If you're enjoying this podcast, then please tell your friends, give us a good rating, and remember to subscribe. We're also really keen to hear your feedback, so please do let us know what you think and give us your ideas over on Twitter. You can tweet us at lifedonediff, that's double F. If you fancy something different in your life, check out Do Something Different. It's really simple. Head over to www.dsd.me, go to the pro collection, choose a program that suits your goal. That could be being happier, more emotionally intelligent, or even quitting smoking. And then you're off. You'll be sent some small steps that stretch your comfort zone and help you achieve your goals. Enjoy. And until next time, keep on living life differently.